Welcome to this podcast of the Sunday Message from Hope Gateway in Portland, Maine. We'd love to have you join us for worship Sunday mornings at 10 a.m., currently on Zoom and broadcast live on Facebook. Visit our website at hopegateway.com to learn more. Whether you live near or far, we hope you find this message to be meaningful. Wherever you are, join us in doing justice, loving kindness, and walking humbly with God. Christ is risen. Christ is risen indeed. So here's a little pop quiz for you to start with. Who did Jesus appear to outside the tomb? Mary. Mary. Among the other answers, Mary. And who was at the foot of the cross when Jesus was dying? And who was there when the rich man laid Jesus' body in the tomb? Mary. This week I have really appreciated the art of Douglas Blanchard connecting the story of oppression in our day with the events in recent human history. And I also appreciate this idea from feminist literary critic and Roman Catholic Jane Schaeberg, who writes, Mary Magdalene of the Christian Testament is the one who stands by the dying, wrongfully accused, executed. She fails to anoint at an empty tomb of the disappeared. Simply there, she becomes the place, the location, not just the symbol, not just the symbol of the God who is thought to abandon, but does not abandon. Each of us wishes for one, like the Magdalene, to go with us into death and to stay with us to the end. In the light of that presence and connection that Mary demonstrated to Jesus, invite us to hear the story from the Gospel of John in the 20th chapter. And even if you think you know what you're going to hear, I invite you to listen with ears. Jesus says, those who have ears, listen. Early in the morning of the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. She ran to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said, they have taken the Lord from the tomb and we do not know where they have put him. Peter and the other disciple left to go to the tomb. They were running together, but the other disciple ran faster than Peter and was the first to arrive at the tomb. Bending down to take a look, he saw the linen cloth lying there, but he didn't go in. 
Following him, Simon Peter entered the tomb and saw the linen cloth lying there. He also saw the face cloth that had been on Jesus' head. It wasn't with the other clothes, but was folded up in its own place. Then the other disciple, the one who arrived at the tomb first, also went inside. He saw and believed. They didn't yet understand the scripture that Jesus must rise from the dead. Then the disciples returned to the place where they were staying. Mary stood outside near the tomb, crying. As she cried, she bent down to look into the tomb. She saw two angels dressed in white, seated where the body of Jesus had been, one at the head and one at the foot. The angels asked her, woman, why are you crying? She replied, they have taken away my Lord and I do not know where they have put him. As soon as she said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she didn't know it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, woman, why are you crying? Who are you looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she replied, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him and I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, don't hold on to me, for I haven't yet gone up to my father. Go to my brothers and sisters and tell them, I'm going up to my father and your father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene left and announced to the disciples, I've seen the Lord. Then she told them what he said to her. Jesus said to her, don't hold on to me. You might know the phrase in Latin for that. You might not. Noli me tangere. There are lots of paintings based on that idea. But most of them come off with this idea that Jesus is saying, don't touch me. <laughs> And you kind of get the idea that Jesus is saying, I don't consent. <laughs> so there, here's a few images of white men long time ago. <laughs> you see, you see that action with those hands like, we, we will not embrace. We will refrain from embracing. <laughs> but... It's kind of a weird thing. 
because one of the stories that we tell is like Jesus was pure and Mary was impure and like he couldn't she couldn't touch him because then he wouldn't be holy anymore because that's how Jesus worked you know he didn't touch anybody who was unclean and then the following stories to this are Jesus goes and meets the disciples and he breathes on them like breathes on them like that's kind of intimate right like it's not like keeping his distance and then thomas says hey i want to touch him and jesus says hey come like yeah touch me like this big gash in my side come put your hand in it <laughs> so it doesn't really make sense that like mary who was there faithful there as he was dying jesus was like hey don't touch me so maybe there's a different meaning than the one that's been conveyed to us. In Greek, the phrase is memu hapto. And its meaning is cease holding on to me or stop clinging to me. It's an ongoing action, not just one done in a single moment. It's an action word with continued action because other languages have more complicated tenses of verbs than English, including Greek. So I kind of imagine like maybe Mary is like holding on to Jesus. Like, hey, you just called my name and you're here and I thought they took your body. I thought you were dead. I thought all these things. Like, don't you think like maybe in that moment she might give him a big hug? I would. Who could blame Mary after all she's been through with Jesus that she wants to cling to him? There's this concept in Christian theology called kenosis, which is a Greek word used to explain the way that Jesus emptied himself to become human, the way he lived his life, the way he died his death. And it's the idea that letting go, continually letting go, and even being willing to risk death to demonstrate his great love for each individual and for all of humanity. I'm not going to quote Megan Watterson, but she is the inspiration for my framework here. Because she makes the argument that Jesus is actually reinforcing this message of kenosis, this self-emptying love to Mary, his primo disciple, the one who gets it when others don't, the apostle to the apostles. She says, Mary, that he's inviting Mary to not hold on to Jesus the way that she's experienced him thus far in life. She wants the Jesus she knew, right? She wants the Jesus that she walked with. She wants the Jesus that she saw arrested. She wants to go back before all that happened. She wants what she knows. She wants the Jesus that she knows before he was hurt, before 
he was publicly lynched. She wants that Jesus. She wants the Jesus that she can hold right there in that moment. But that's not the person that Jesus is anymore. And Jesus in his resurrection is so much more than who he wants. Holding on to her former experience of him actually inhibits her future experience of him. And in letting go of her longing to, for him to be with her, she actually receives the gift of always having him. In letting go, she actually receives more of him, more of God, more love, because she realizes in the letting go, because Jesus is pretty good at communicating, especially with her, that when she lets go of him, she actually has him. That he's actually there inside her heart. That she actually has his spirit with her and that she doesn't have to cling to it, that she can live that kenosis, that self-giving love, that letting go, that changing your expectations, which it's not easy. We're all pretty good at holding onto the former way of things, right? Because we know it, we trust it. Even if it's not very good, we know it. But Mary, in the letting go, has this experience of true intimacy with Jesus. So, more on that for you in a minute. Today is Easter, and the tradition at Hope Gateway is Easter Egg Challenges. And it's been a long time since we gave you chocolate on Easter. It's really amazing to think that a year ago we were limiting. We're all going to get hyper on chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> Becky's going to get hyper on chocolate. I love chocolate. So we have a tradition of sharing um, Easter egg challenges. And Bethany has baskets of chocolate that are coming to you momentarily. Take one, each take one. And there, the challenges are based on our community practices of prayers, presence, gifts, service, and witness, and our core values of community, inclusivity, creativity, simplicity, and transformation. So you will get a challenge in one of those categories. And while you get those, we're gonna um, listen to and sing along with a amazing video that um, Kelly produced along with help from a lot of us um, singing along Ray Susie Toe. So get your Easter egg challenge as we go.
fabric represents letting go. There's something in your life, I bet, that you are holding on to your current understanding or way of being. And if you let it go, it could be transformed into something better than your current experience of it. Maybe it's a bad thing, maybe it's a neutral thing, maybe it's a good thing, but I invite you to consider letting go of practicing self-emptying love, kenosis, that we might be new people 
that we might be resurrected and that we might know that Christ is alive in us. May it be so. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's sermon. To hear more about Hope Gateway and to discover how together we can do justice, love kindness, and walk humbly with God, visit our website at hopegateway.com.